0: Leadership Next is powered by the folks at Deloitte, who, like me, are super focused on how CEOs can lead in the context of disruption and devolving societal expectations. Welcome to Leadership Next, the podcast about the changing rules of business leadership. I'm Alan Murray, and I'm here with my phenomenal co-host, Ellen McGirt. <laughs>
1: Alan, I have missed those words. This is the most affirming part of my week, and I thank you for it. And hello, everyone. And here's a word of warning. I actually was not able to join Alan for today's interview, and I am regretting it because she is such an interesting person and has founded a really interesting, and I would say necessary company. What do you think, Alan?
0: Yeah, I wish you had been there as well. Uh, Kate Ryder is our guest. She's the founder and CEO of Maven. It's a women's and family health startup, uh, first company in this sector to be worth over a billion dollars. And it's providing services, family health services and women's health services, largely virtually. And as you can imagine, Ellen, it's been hugely impacted by the Supreme Court uh, Roe v. Wade decision.
1: Can you imagine having a platform this big at such a critical time? There's so much happening for women and so much happening for women's health that translates into equity, into the workplace and their lives, and I can only imagine how useful this would have been even decades earlier. I know we didn't have the technology piece then, but this kind of access for women and families would have been essential. What what did you wanna talk to her about? Why, Why was she a good fit for you? Well, first of all,
0: uh, Ellen, this this interview happened in Aspen at our Brainstorm uh, Tech conference. The irony, of course, was you were in Aspen as well, but doing something else and <laughs> tied up at the moment. So we we're all hanging out in the mountains and, and Kate was there. So it was an opportunity to speak to her in person. Uh, but I think the turmoil around the Supreme Court decision was really, yeah. this would have been an interesting interview at any time, but at this particular yeah. time, it was really powerful.
1: Well, in my own defense, I was at an ESG conference and I came back with some amazing potential guests for Leadership Next. So you should consider it a scouting mission, and I promise you it's going to be value-added.
0: <laughs> we should go to Aspen more often, but let's uh, let's talk to Kate. Kate, let me first of all just welcome you. Thank you for being here, and get you to tell us a little bit about what Maven is and how you got started.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here in Aspen. Um, so I founded Maven in 2014 because I saw firsthand a lot of the gaps in the, in the women's and family health care model. And so, you know, if you think about it, about 40% of new moms are dropping out of the workforce after they have kids. And the entire LGBTQ community has been left out of the family building model because there weren't benefits for things like IVF or adoption or surrogacy. We have the highest rate of maternal mortality in the developed world. And we're also the richest country that spends the most on healthcare. And so you know, what Maven does is we we really fill in all of these very distinct gaps through uh, virtual care and financial support platforms. So we have the largest telehealth network in women's and family health. So on, on the one hand, we provide that holistic care by offering access to over 2,000 providers across 30 specialties, across gender and race. And, you know, they speak 35 languages so we bring that access to not only you know geographies where they don't have that level of support, but also just that culturally competent care.
0: Yeah, and and, then, and who pays? Are you working with the healthcare companies or with the uh, employers or both? Both.
2: Yeah, no, we work with nearly half of the Fortune fifteen. Uh, we work with much of the major national insurers. So Microsoft, AT and T, Blue Shield California, um, and so we we effectively help them you know offer this more holistic care and then design. Um, You know, enhanced benefits through our Maven Wallet platform, which is our financial support. And then we also kind of bring it together with navigation so that, you know, with our partners, our our payers, our, our providers, our employers, people have access to their family health benefits, actually know how to use them and get the most out of them. And then we also, you know, through a lot of our programming, help the patients who are going through these IVF journeys or these pregnancy journeys actually get the, the best outcomes. Um, based A- and on how many problem.
0: families are you serving now? What's the scale?
2: Sure. So we, we have about 15 million lives under management.
0: That's amazing. 15 million. That's And I don't think most people probably fully understand how much of the healthcare dollar is spent around pregnancies.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, with some of our clients, um, it's their top spend more than cancer, more than heart disease. So, you know, on average, if you look at self-insured employers and their health care budget, maternity might be 10 to 12 percent of that, which, you know, in some cases is more even than diabetes, depending on the demographics of your population. In some states where Medicaid is disproportionately the payer for births, it's their top spend across the state. Wow.
0: And so you started this virtual clinic in 2014, long before the pandemic hit, but the pandemic must have led to massive, I mean, There wasn't that much virtual healthcare going on in 2014, was there?
2: No, no, we joke that um, no one knew what telemedicine was when we started (laughs) and that was one of the hardest parts. Um, And then suddenly overnight, everything changed. And so I think some of the, what what we've seen is that you don't need to really kind of convince people that virtual care is more convenient, more affordable, and and at the same level of quality as in-person because people just had to do it. And so now what we've seen is, um, yeah, more growth, not only on on the client side but on the member side within our clients, so we have some of the highest utilization and engagement in the industry across any digital health category, um, you know, according to our national payer partners.
0: And you did this because you you felt that this was an area that was badly underserved by the existing healthcare system. But why was it so badly underserved?
2: Well, I you know I think women's and family health has has always been underserved even before Roe v. Wade, which is changing the the paradigm even more. But I think that the whole care model of person woman gets pregnant woman has the baby and then maybe she goes back to work or not. There's so much else that happens, whether it's, you know, there's not a straight line, whether it's infertility issues, whether it's alternate pathways to parenthood, whether it's miscarriage. You know, there's a whole mental health component where you know 20% of new moms suffer from postpartum depression, and that's never really been served. And so what we thought was if we brought together all of these different types of providers in a care team that could really complement the in-person care and fill in a lot of these gaps, we could actually... Help women not only go back to work, but even on you know reducing C-section rates because they're empowered with with more information because they have that constant access to providers or helping manage risk like you know if people come into the pregnancy journey with hypertension or those underlying causes of infertility that could make their pregnancy higher risk. You know we have care teams working with them to help them manage it so that they don't have a baby early and and prematurely, which you know for the payers is is one of the costliest parts of the maternity episode.
0: So well, that was going to be my next. Next question. So for the payers or for the employers, you're adding all these services, but you're not increasing their costs?
2: No, we're reducing it. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's... you know, when you when you have a virtual model, it's just so much more efficient and scalable. And so, you know, by really tackling the clinical outcomes, which lead to better financial outcomes through this holistic care model, it, it's why, you know, we design value-based care contracts now. It's why so many of our, our clients and payers work with us.
0: Do you, you talked about these high engagement scores. Do you find that patients actually when they're dealing with pregnancy issues or fertility issues, prefer virtual
2: uh, engagement? You know, we do. I think that what we see is a lot of times patients don't even have a fertility clinic when they're coming to us. Yeah. They don't. They don't know how much things are going to cost. There's yeah. there's so much misinformation on the internet. Um, you know, we we always say Doctor Google is not necessarily your friend in this category. That people are so anxious, and then on the on the pregnancy side too, a lot of them uh, don't have doctors, so we'll we'll help them find one based on what they're looking for, and then because they have these really compassionate providers on the platform that they can talk to in the middle of the night they can talk to you know during the week um during the weekends a lot of our new parents mom 24 and dad, hours a day yeah 24 hours a day like kids you know they they just need something when they need something they need something yeah. so um and you know we actually it's not just women but 40 percent of our our members are men because not only through the fertility journey but through that early parenting where you really need so much support
0: So let's talk about Roe v. Wade. Uh, How has the decision and the the fallout from the decision impacted your business? Is it limiting your ability to provide services? Are there liability issues for you in in that? Uh, How are you thinking about it?
2: yeah you know first it's it's a it's a really sad moment for so many women particularly vulnerable and and marginalized women because they're going to just lose basic access to health care and I, I think you know there's predictions the University of Colorado actually just released a study that they predict the maternal mortality rate which is already the worst in the developed world to go up by twenty four percent because of this decision and so we've known it's been coming because back in the fall with with eight, that was kind of what led, you know, everyone to kind of believe, okay, this is not looking good. And then there's obviously the leak. So on the one hand, what our product does is we support travel reimbursement through our financial platform. We support pregnancy options counseling through our maternity program. You know, one out of four women will have an abortion in their life. People often don't realize how high that number is because it's just a part of prenatal care. And so we now have pregnancy options counseling as part of of our maternity product. And so we're counseling and helping members there but what we've seen on the client side is you know a lot of people didn't really know what to do or, or what to expect and we we're talking to our clients and we we're talking to our clients when you about talk about our,
0: clients now you're talking about the providers the employers and, the companies. And, the, and the
2: health plans yep and then when the decision hit you saw everyone even people that said oh i don't know what we're going to do yet everyone did something and so that was actually really um encouraging everyone
0: and 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 Tell me if this is correct, because I haven't seen good data on this, but my sense from the CEOs I've talked to was it was kind of a split reaction when the decision happened. On the one hand, you know they had employees who have are passionate on both sides of the abortion issue, they, and they didn't want to get caught up in a political debate, so they correct. didn't want to speak out. But pretty much every employee, large employer who I talked to, regardless of where they are located – went and looked at their benefit plans to make sure that they were providing adequate care to their people wherever they lived
2: correct because a lot of the employers already had a travel benefit whether it was for organ transplantation or or, or some other part of of healthcare so they just added a reproductive health service travel benefit on top. And it it doesn't just include abortion care. It's more kind of Fert- it could be fertility as well. Totally. And so that's what we've really seen. But I think um yeah, we've seen, you know, in since the decision was was handed down, we've seen a sixty seven percent increase in new opportunities in our pipeline. So wow. you know, we've seen people that We're looking at maybe bringing us on, but then they're like, oh, you know, my priorities have shifted this year. All of a sudden, this is the priority.
0: But that suggests that if you work for a large company or you are covered by a large healthcare plan, that you're probably going to be taken care of. You're going to have the services that you need. And the real problem is the people who don't have that coverage
2: correct i mean the real the because about 75% of the people who are getting abortions every year are you know lower income so those are the people on the medicaid plans or uninsured that i think there's a real concern about and
0: what can maven do to help those people
2: we're, we're working now with the medicaid population so we uh we we will work- medicaid pay uh, well, that's that's t- that's, part of our mater- well, that's part of our maternity program though, right? Pregnancy yeah. options now. And so yes, they are paying for they that. Are. And in terms of the travel reimbursement, I think that remains to be seen. Um so we're we're in conversations right now. But yeah, I mean I, I think to really actually affect true impact here, you have to work with the Medicaid population as well. So um, the question
0: is, will Medicaid reimburse for travel? Travel, exactly. Seems unlikely, doesn't it?
2: Well, I think that there's also a huge economic case for actually really supporting these individuals to, you know, continue working, you know, in a lot of industries like hospitals or retail or fast food, where a lot of their frontline workers are women. If they're having a lot of unintended pregnancies, the unintended pregnancy rate, by the way, is about 50% in this country. It is pretty- (laughs) Wow. 50% of pregnancies
0: are unintended. Yes. And uh, currently what, percentage of those end up uh, in abortion?
2: I, I don't know the answer to that. I don't think the data really connects it's that yet. Sorted, but yeah. I mean, I think also now a lot of, there's a lot of organizations like Maven as well working to now connect all the dots here because there's just a very clear economic story that I think a lot of businesses understand that you know beyond the political, beyond the, you know whatever people think about abortion based on their personal beliefs, this is a huge part of the workforce and a huge part of America that, that really needs support.
0: I'm here with Joe Yukazoglu, the CEO of Deloitte U.S. and the sponsor of this podcast for all three of its seasons. Thank you for that, Joe.
3: Pleasure to be here, Alan. Joe, business is facing so many
0: challenges these days. The continued pandemic, the battle for talent, supply chain problems, rising inflation, and now on top of all of that, war in Europe.
3: How are companies responding to all this disruption? Alan, you're seeing a remarkable level of optimism in the face of so many varied challenges. And by and large, I'd attribute that to a recognition that this is just the new normal, the constant curveballs that will be thrown at us. But at the same time, given how successfully so many of these organizations have navigated through these things over the past couple of years, a growing confidence that we'll be able to continue to navigate the issues that get thrown at us and grow our businesses. But to do that, we are absolutely seeing a new brand of leadership emerge, grounded in resilience, in agility, in a learning mindset. These are the most important leadership attributes in an environment where we should just expect that change and disruption are going to be at a consistently high level of intensity.
0: The problems aren't going away, Joe, right? (laughs) You have to manage through them.
3: I had a CEO say to me recently that if you put together a list of the top 20 risks one week, something big is going to hit the next week. And it probably isn't even on that list. And that's just a reflection of the number of different phenomena in the world right now and the level of complexity that businesses are managing through. Joe, thank you. Alan, it's a real pleasure.
0: Give us a sense of both the demographic spread of your uh, client, of your, not your clients, but your patients and the uh, geographical.
2: So about, so we are global about 10% 10% of our patients are global. About 60% of our, our clients who have global offices, you know, use Maven globally because globally. Got it. there's a huge trend as well right now in global family building because fertility benefits is really uneven across the world. And if you're one team, you know, across the world, you you have to do something here. So we've seen that, you know, a, a huge trend there. And then, you know, we work with primarily commercial populations, although this past year is when we've now dipped our toes into the Medicaid, Medicaid populations. Yeah. Um so that, you know, we'll we'll hopefully be seeing Increasing over the next few years. And then, you know, in in terms of the most popular industries we work with, uh, you know, it would be technology, banking, and financial services, consulting, retail, healthcare. And, you know, we are pretty geographically diverse. I I think counterintuitively, some of our first clients were not the tech companies in San Francisco, but actually big companies in the South. Because Mm -hmm. when we came, uh, you know, when we launched in 2015, some of those companies had just recently kind of maybe put in a fertility benefit. So they're like, okay, you know, I just focused on this category. So I'm going to go focus on other things. But then there was... There was so much support. People looking for support around return to work and kind of more comprehensive fertility and maternity benefits. That then the southern companies who hadn't done anything yet, or, or in the Midwest or in the East, they just kind of bought our full platform. And then finally, the tech companies, you know, and we work with Microsoft and, and many others. They finally came about around and said, "Oh, wait, we actually need a full family building benefit of a full like fertility, maternity, parenting, pediatrics, the whole the whole nine yards." Because with the pandemic and all the parental burn- out a lot of a lot of that disproportionately hit the members that we serve. Yeah,
0: that's interesting. I want to go back to that, but before we leave the Roe v. Wade conversation, are you worried about the company having legal liability in these state li- legal liability?
2: Well, I think th- there's still a lot that's very uncertain about yeah. what's happened. I think, you know, for us, we will always support member well-being. We're always going to be in compliance with the law. And so I think there's Can still, you do
0: both, I guess is the question.
2: Well, you, I think you have to be in compliance with the law right. to be able to support member well-being. So, okay. but there's a lot that, that is still un- uncertain. Um, So we are, you know, monitoring, monitoring everything. You know, I think there's, there's some states where they are criminalizing support for- Helping members get care. And so there, there's a lot of question marks. I, I know last week, even, um, you know, there's talk about not allowing people to travel um, and, and coming down on those companies that are supporting that travel in Texas. So, again, I, I don't I, it's just all yeah. unclear. where are your moment.
0: people located.
2: Uh, in, at like our, our headquarters.
0: Or, yeah. Where you're the, oh, the, 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 the nurses who I talk to on your platform are, are they distributed?
2: Distributed. Yep. Uh-huh. So we have, um, care advocates all across the country and, and, and the world actually we have. But, but some of
0: them advocates. may be in states where abortion is going to be or where, you know, new laws are going to kick into place.
2: Exactly. And so, you know, to be in compliance with the you, law, we, they would to, not be, uh, helping patients I've in those to, states, but yeah.
0: Do you have competition?
2: You know, like there's competition in every category, but no one really does what we do. I mean, we're the only company that is that end to end kind of comprehensive, virtual menopause now. And we're the only company that works with health plans and employers and Medicaid. So
0: And, and so what how large is the market here?
2: Well, I, we we think it's a two hundred billion dollar market when you take all of women's health services and family health and children's health services and you put it together. That includes, you know, the the actual surgery and in person procedures and whatnot. So it's 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 enormous. It's huge. And women also control eighty percent of decisions in healthcare. So. When you're actually working with this consumer, you have the ability to also influence outcomes in other areas. And so
0: what 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 are the limits to your growth? What are the challenges that you've faced right now? I know you've had this crazy pandemic period with the explosive growth, but what where do you go from here?
2: So I think we're in an interesting window right now where there's kind of two simultaneous trends where the markets are spiraling down and, and that's, a, that's a problem <laughs> for yeah. everybody. Um, but then there's so much growth ahead in, in digital health and we're in this unique window where the biggest payers and providers and 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 the people who kind of have designed the system and the rules are open to partnerships and digital innovation and they're asking themselves those questions because the pandemic just kind of blew everything up, so to speak. But I think that window is going to close over time and yeah. they're going to figure it out. And so for us, it's just really important. We're really focused on growth over the next kind of three to five Do you years. you have the resources
0: that you need for growth?
2: Yes. We've raised $200 million to date. We became a unicorn last year with a billion dollar valuation. So, And we, we continue to thankfully have capital um, sources.
0: If if the markets hadn't uh, gone south, would you have been close to considering an IPO?
2: You know, probably. I, I think that the main thing that we want to do before we go public, regardless of our, our revenue, is – ensure that we under, you know that we've taken the bet in medicaid and that we can predict kind of how that looks and so that's it's it's hard i mean i always ask the question to people in medicaid and, and you know at government organizations and medicaid plans like tell me the best virtual solutions in the medicaid market that serve yeah. kind of women and families and nobody really has answers for that yeah. so you know again it kind of feels like where we be- were in 2014 where no one had ever had a holistic care model in women's and family health that they were selling to employers. Like, we really did kind of create that category. And now in Medicaid, no one's really done what we're doing. And so we want to see that through before going public.
0: Talent is a challenge in every business these days. It's certainly a challenge in the healthcare industry. Uh, how does Maven compete for qualified nurses, doctors, the, the high level talent you need to make your services work?
2: Yeah, I think the the main thing there is, you know, we're really mission driven. We're really patient centered. I think anybody, any provider who works with Maven, you know, that's what they see the second they walk into, you know, the car virtually walk, you know, so yeah. to speak, hypothetically. Um, but I I think that ultimately, if you're authentic in what you do and you're mission driven and you're very good at communicating that, and it's not hard to recruit talent. I so mean, you can,
0: you can get them. They want to work for you. Yeah, I mean, it's a actually a nice com- combination of of mission and flexibility.
2: Exactly. And, and, you know, we do have disproportionately female providers. Um, a lot of them are part-time, they're moms themselves. And so they, it, this is just a beautiful part of healthcare to work in because yeah. you have the patients that, you know, there's extreme anxiety and uncertainty, but mostly it's joy because you're bringing a new child into the world and you're raising a child. And, you know, and then there's, you know, questions around, of course, fertility and menopause, but it, it's not a, it's not like you're sick. It's just a yeah. phase of life. And then on the provider side, the provider. Providers have seen how underserved this has been for so long that they're excited to kind of step up, and so you know I think that in telemedicine you're starting to see two types of companies: one that are kind of 1 800 dial a doc where yeah. it's a very commodified experience, and it's commodified for both the provider and the patient. And then in ours, it's not commodified at all. We're not you know telemedicine is like a part of our experience, but it's not yeah. the only thing we offer. And with the providers, they have their whole own app called M Practice, and we have a whole provider community team that is helping them do more than just see patients and so i think that shines through in our providers
0: well kate Ryder, fascinating what you're doing really uh you know it it feels like the right business for the right moment uh wish you the best of luck i should have mentioned at the outset you did that we're sitting together in aspen colorado (laughs) uh at fortune's brainstorm tech conference i hope you get outside and enjoy the beautiful weather some while you're here but thanks so much for uh, being here and being part of the conversation thank you so much for having me Leadership Next is edited by Nicole Vergala, written by me, Alan Murray, along with my amazing colleagues, Ellen McGirt and Megan Arnold. Our theme is by Jason Snell, executive producer, Megan Arnold. Leadership Next is a production of Fortune Media.